Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo with the top five breakout candidates for 2020. I, uh, I dug in real deep over the last couple months, and I've gone through a lot of sleepers, a lot of breakout candidates, a lot of values. But these are my absolute top five candidates that you have to get into your drafts at value. Of course, don't go reaching on these guys, but we're going to hit the intro and then we're going to get right into these guys. So first up on the list, my number five breakout candidate, and this one's a new addition to the list, and that's running back for the Los Angeles Rams, Cam Akers. Um, he was an early second round pick by the Rams. I believe it was the pick used um, in the trade for Brandon Cooks from the Texans. So with each of these breakout candidates, I'm going to go through kind of the guy that broke out at this position or in this kind of situation last year. So who is this year's Josh Jacobs slash who is this year's Miles Sanders? So to me, it's Cam Akers. Who's the guy? That's going to be the rookie running back that breaks out and helps you win your league. Cam Akers is that guy. This one is, is very training camp related as well as the, the next guy on the list. So we haven't talked about Akers very much on this channel and probably for good reason, despite him landing uh, in a situation where he was a top 60 uh, pick as, as a running back, generally that means you're going to get opportunity. This was a bad landing spot for Cam Akers specifically. In terms of his college profile and the way that I saw him in college, I actually did the draft guide write up for him in the, uh, in the draft guide in the description. If you go down there, you'll be able to see for $3 only uh, the Cam Akers breakdown. And basically my biggest issue with him in college was a lack of kind of nuance and over creativity in his running style. That might work in college and in the AAC when you're going up against guys that are going to be, I don't know, gym teachers at the, after they're done college football. You can't do that when Nick Bosa is setting the edge in, in, in the NFL. And my comparison for him coming out of school was Ronald Jones. And the reason I said that was because I saw a lot of the same things at USC with Ronald Jones as I did at Florida State with Cam Akers. And we saw how Ronald Jones struggled his rookie year. I don't think he's going to be that bad, Cam Akers, um, coming into his rookie. But let's look at the progression of coach speak here. And I'll have these, these prompts on the screen. And these are on Roto World. If you, if you haven't checked out Roto World, they, they do shit like this all the time. They when coaches come out and say quotes, they put these like clickbaity titles out there, but we just need them up because we we're addicted to fantasy. We're all degenerates. Anyway, coach Sean McVay said, we feel like we've got three really good backs. And this was back in, I don't know, early August, late July, when he was discussing the Rams backfield. So he was talking about Malcolm Brown, who was there last year, Daryl Henderson, who was, I believe a, a second round pick of theirs or third round pick of theirs last year. And then Cam Akers, who they spent the second round pick on this year. This is the example of like the rookie needs to earn his stripes. When you say we've got three really good backs, you're kind of hinting at a committee, but you want Akers to win the job if you're, if you're the Rams coaching staff. So um, fast forward a couple of weeks and uh, Rams running back Daryl Henderson said his rehab for the surgically repaired ankle that held him back last year is going well. So you're going to hear a lot of shit like this during training camp season, but beware when, when players are rehabbing from one thing, Sometimes they overcompensate and they'll injure other things. And that's not my opinion. That's what I've heard from fantasy doctors around the industry. So when you're rehabbing an injured ankle, maybe you um, pull your hamstring or whatever, because you're overcompensating for that injured ankle. Cause you don't want to injure it again. Like psychologically, that's just how you're thinking. So Cam Akers, this is the next report that we had come out. Cam Akers could get an early opportunity to demonstrate his ability in the team's crowded backfield. And this wasn't actually from the Rams coaching staff. This was from a beat, beat reporter who covers the Rams professionally. So 
she's under the impression that um, Cam Akers, maybe he's performing well in practice or, or the coaches have, have hinted at this or whatever, that he's going to get an early opportunity to demonstrate how much better he is than Daryl Henderson and then Malcolm Brown. So on to the next report. Um, this is what changed for me specifically. Daryl Henderson has suffered a mild hamstring injury. Remember how I, I mentioned he could have been overcompensating for the ankle injury. We don't know, but the team hopes to have him back by week one. All right, so when you hear X player is going to be back by week one or X player, we hope to be back by week one, usually that means they're going to either be on the pup list or they're going to be rushed back. And when they're rushed back, they're going to be more likely to re-injure some of these things, especially with hamstring injuries on running backs and receivers. Hamstrings are finicky. If you rush back from a hamstring injury, it's very easy to retweak it and you'll be out even longer. We saw that with guys like Adam Thielen last year. We saw it a couple of years ago with guys like Doug Baldwin. Like hamstrings are just, you don't want to fuck around with hamstrings. They're really nerve wracking. So basically Daryl Henderson's off my board completely, but much like Kareem Hunt his rookie year, Akers is going to be thrust into the starting role. Why? Because Daryl Henderson is out of camp. Whether he's, whether he was better or Akers was better, doesn't matter because Akers is going to get the starting reps in camp and he should have a 65% snap or opportunity share or so um, in this offense because Malcolm Brown isn't scaring anyone. He's not very good at all. Cam Akers is definitely better than Malcolm Brown. And this is an offense that with, with given the opportunity, which Akers looks like he has right now, they run in the red zone a lot. They were top five in percentage of run splits in the red zone. And Todd Gurley vacated 59 red zone touches. It's one of the reasons I don't like Todd Gurley this year is because going to Atlanta from LA, he's going from a very run heavy offense in the red zone to a very pass heavy offense in the red zone. So they also give their backs receiving work. I know they didn't do it last year. There was a league low 10% of passes that went to the running back position, but that's because Todd Gurley was very inefficient. Sean McVay's a smart coach. If he's throwing to Todd Gurley and he's dropping the ball, which he did, or he's not getting a lot of yak yards or whatever, he's not going to keep doing it. He's not Adam Gase. who's just going to force square pegs into round holes. 17% and 20%. The last, uh, the previous two years when Todd Gurley was effective in the receiving game um, were the percentage of passes that they threw to their running back position. So they have shown propensity to do it. It's just, they didn't do it last year because Todd Gurley sucked ass at it. So Cam Akers, definitely a breakout candidate for me. I think Give, he has the opportunity that Kareem Hunt had his rookie year. That's why I'm looking at it this way. If he, if Daryl Henderson was still healthy, I would be off Cam Akers. But because Daryl Henderson got hurt, Cam Akers is a big time breakout candidate for me. So on to the next guy, number four on the list. Who is this year's Terry McLaurin is what we want to know. Jalen Rager is this guy. Based on what I heard from, Terry, uh, from um, Washington's camp last year, it sounds a lot like what we're hearing from Jalen Rager um, in Philadelphia this year. So this is a very buzzy uh, name right now in the fantasy industry. I've mentioned this before, but if you are not aware, this is how paying attention to camp reports can give you an edge in fantasy. One report saying that Jalen Rager's impressing or he's picking things up quickly or like a flashy quote, like uh, I'll get to later, isn't anything. But when it becomes a pattern, when you hear it from multiple sources, coaches, teammates, position coaches, coordinators, all these guys all saying the same things, repeating the same patterns, that is when you spot a breakout candidate. Jalen Rager enters a situation with Alshon Jeffrey, perhaps starting the season, not only on the pup list, which I think is a guarantee, but he might even be on the IR just outright. And Alshon Jeffrey could not even, like he might be this year's AJ Green, where he doesn't even play a single game this year. Marquise Goodwin, who they brought in uh, via trade, I believe it was during the draft. He opted out of the season for obvious um, family health reasons. He's had some complications with his, his children and his wife and stuff. So that's definitely understandable. But Jalen Rager's only real competition is Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson is not the model of health. He's uh, 34 years old, I believe. And he only played one, one real game last year. And the previous years when he was in Tampa, he wasn't exactly the model of health either. 
So according to multiple reports, Jalen Rager to start the season or to start training camp was the starting X receiver. And he has maintained that throughout the entire uh, padded practice period that had been caught up to this point. So he was causing quite the buzz early on. Uh, Carson Wentz came out and basically said, I see an extremely bright future, which is basically the, the kind of clickbaity quote that we, we want to avoid. But this is why I'm actually listening to it with Jalen Rager. Beat reporters came out and basically echoed this. They, they said that Wentz and, and 2020 first round pick Jalen Rager have a great connection. And Wentz um, recently compared him to Julio Jones. And obviously this stuff would be considered fluff if it wasn't coming from so many sources, if the coaches weren't echoing it, if the beat reporters weren't saying the same thing, if uh, other teammates, quarterbacks, all these people saying the same thing means that Jalen Rager is impressing everyone. It's not just one player. So um, I'll put this up on the screen right now, but this was a, um, this was from an article on uh, bleeding green nation, which is SB nation's version of like uh, the Eagles uh, coverage. And the, the beat reporter, or the, the writer of the article basically said that Jalen Rager stood out today, meaning I think this was like two days ago in practice. He got off to a fast start quite literally because he burned Darius Slay for a deep touchdown. Darius Slay is a great corner. And he basically goes on to talk about just how Jalen Rager is making everyone look stupid. He's impressing his teammates. He like, despite his size, he's looking aggressive and he's leading uh, the team in contested catches and making all these eye popping plays. Like he has been the starting X since the first day of padded practice. Keep paying attention to this because as drafts approach, if we continue to hear praise and more playing time, Rager's getting more play, more draw, more all this stuff. He's going to be this year's Terry McLaurin or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf, that rookie that has all the opportunity in front of him. And maybe he's not even the most talented rookie receiver in this class, but because he has this opportunity in front of him in a great offense, mind you, Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. He has Ertz and Sanders and Goddard to take attention away from him. Jalen Rager could be this year's Terry McLaurin or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf. So definitely Jalen Rager, if you can get him in the double-digit rounds of your drafts or if you can trade for him on the low right now, he is definitely the guy that I am targeting of all probably the rookie receivers. He might be the highest rated of all those guys for me. So on to the next guy. And this one might be more so of a league winner than a, a breakout candidate, but basically the same thing. So who is this year's Chris Godwin? As we know, Chris Godwin was like a, a fourth-round pick last year, and he won people leagues because he was like a top-three receiver when he was on the field before getting injured in Detroit. AJ Brown is this guy. This AJ Brown is this year's Chris Godwin. I will fight this till the grave right now. To me, I put this tweet out a couple months or a couple weeks ago. And basically I said, both things can be true. A player who is super inefficient will not be efficient again. AJ Brown is not going to average 20.2 yards per reception again. I understand that. But because he was super efficient in this manner, he's going to get more volume. Juju Smith-Schuster's rookie year, he had 79 targets and he turned that into 16 yards per reception over 900 yards. And he had a, a couple touch, like a, a, a high touchdown number as well. Well, the next year, the Steelers rewarded Juju Smith-Schuster by giving him more than double the amount of targets he saw as a rookie. So yes, his yards for reception numbers went down, but that was more than offset by the volume increase that he got. And I tweeted this thread out a couple months ago, and I've gone over this before, so I'm going to skim over this briefly. But having an efficient rookie season does mean an increase in volume as a sophomore. I took 15 receivers who reached 750 plus receiving yards, despite having a hundred or less targets, meaning they were super efficient with the volume they got. And there was a couple of receivers from this draft class that fit this description. AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, Darius Slayton, and DK Metcalf, the most note are um, being those guys. And AJ Brown did it on the pretty much the fewest amount of targets and the most amount of yardage. So he was the most efficient of these guys. So the 16 game paces of the 15 receivers that accomplished this, this will be on the screen right now. Um, were as follows. And then in, the, in their sophomore years, 
this is what happened. And Cooper Cup is the outlier here because he tore his ACL midway through the season, but he was super, super good before this happened. So I uh, decided to include him, uh, his paced out numbers in this uh, sample. And as you notice, the guys that experienced negative um, yardage and target differentials were undrafted free agents, Keelan Cole and Doug Baldwin. And Doug Baldwin turned into a great player, but undrafted free agents, they don't have a lot of run from their coaching staff. There's no second round draft capital to make them be on the field more often. So maybe their coaches looked at this as more of like a fluke and it probably was for Keelan Cole, but for Doug Baldwin, obviously it was not a fluke. So, but every other receiver had like top three round draft capital and they all saw an, a pretty significant target, uh, target increase and a yardage increase as well. So based on this data, a 34 target increase on average and a 269 yardage increase on average is basically what you can expect from all five of these rookie receivers, but AJ Brown specifically, 118 targets and 1,320 receiving yards. If you just took the average target increase and average yardage increase and added it to his rookie season. Now, obviously I mentioned, he's probably not going to keep up his same efficiency uh, numbers, but he is going to get more target volume. You can bet on that. And that was basically the point of this whole thread was that it's going to, these guys are going to get more volume because they're efficient. I don't care that AJ Brown's in a run heavy offense. I really don't care because he is the number one target and it isn't even close. I love Johnny Smith and we're going to actually get to him later, but if they only throw 480 times, he'll still probably receive 120 targets minimum. And AJ Brown is going to continue to be efficient. Why? Because I know he was outlier efficient this past year, but he's going to continue to be efficient because he's really good at football. Really good football players be, are really good at football and that results in really good um, production. That's just how football works. So don't fade AJ Brown because he was too efficient because that's just the dumbest argument ever. He might be really efficient again. And on top of that, he's going to get more target volume and yardage volume, and he'll probably get more touchdowns than he did last year too. Do not fade AJ Brown this year. He is going to be this year's Chris Godwin if I have anything to say about it. Now I teased him before, but number two on this list, who is this year's Mark Andrews? Jonu Smith is this guy. I would have said Hayden Hurst a couple months ago, but Hayden Hurst has climbed in terms of ADP to the point where you're not drafting him at a huge value anymore. He is still a prime candidate to break out, but he is not a value in drafts anymore. This dude should be drafted where Hayden Hurst is. Jonu Smith is excellent. And I'll put this up on the screen right now, but what is having this year's Mark Andrews actually mean for fantasy? So percentage of tight ends on playoff rosters from 2018, George Kittle was the number one tight end on playoff rosters. Why? Because he was a late round tight end that broke out. Number two was Eric Ebron, same reason. Number four was Jared Cook, same reason. The, only, the guy that was number three was Travis Kelsey because he's fucking awesome. Number, in 2019, same exact thing. Darren Waller was the like, undrafted tight end, and he was a breakout player. 63% of playoff rosters. Mark Andrews, same thing. Austin Hooper, same thing. And again, number two was Travis Kelsey because he's fucking awesome. But my point is having a breakout tight end at this, like, at this position, especially if he's a late-round guy, is a huge advantage in drafts. It more or less guarantees that you're going to make the playoffs. Last year, only uh, Johnu only had 54 targets, but he caught 76% of his passes, which is super efficient. And his quarterback had 120 rating when targeting him. Efficiencies of note for Johnu Smith include 12.5 yards per reception, which ranked top eight among tight ends. 9.8 yards per target, which was second among tight ends. 2.41 yards uh, of separation, to, uh, second among tight ends. And second in yards after catch per reception since 2010, only George Kittle ranking a high, uh, higher than that showing he's obviously going to get open. He makes defense pay with his targets. So all this being said, he's obviously very talented, but talent only gets you so far in fantasy. Why is this year the year that he's going to break out? On top of the fact that 
tight ends generally take longer to, to break out than wide receivers and running backs. Tight ends usually break out in their third and fourth years. We've been spoiled by guys like Mark Andrews and George Kittle breaking out in their second year, but that is not common. They are the outlier, not the rule. So John Smith is going into his fourth year. Austin Hooper last year was going into his fourth year. What happened for Austin Hooper was that he saw an opportunity increase. Delaney Walker went down in week seven for John Smith this past year. Here are his splits before and after Delaney Walker went down. As you can see, massive, massive difference. Target increase of over like four targets per game. He had three more receptions per game. He had 10 more PPR points per game. He didn't score a single touchdown while Delaney Walker was in the the lineup and he scored, uh, I believe it was six on the season when he was out of the lineup. So John Smith was excellent when, uh, when Delaney Walker was gone. And on top of that, 12 point, uh, 12 plus point uh, PPR points per game, which is what he had would have ranked as the tight end eight on the season last year. He also saw a, a couple of explosive carries, which also also added onto his total and all of his five red zone receptions that he saw came in the weeks that uh, Delaney Walker was gone in weeks seven through 17. Not only was he very solid for fantasy, but he also averaged an 81% snap share. And this is a big deal for tight ends. He only averaged a 55% snap share, which isn't even terrible. That's like what Mark Andrews gets in the six weeks prior, but having an 81% snap share was that's elite tight end snap share. Like George Kittle gets that amount of snaps. That's not like chump change for the tight ends. So in this offense, as I mentioned, AJ Brown is the only viable target right now. It's a run heavy offense, but Mark Andrews and George Kittle have been just fine in run heavy offenses. And their, run, uh, their offenses are even more so run heavy than the Titans offense. The John U. Smith breakout is screaming at you. If you like, do not leave a single draft without this man. He's going off the board as like the tight end 17. At that point, you have no risk. He's like your 12th, 13th round pick. If you think, if you're still skeptical, take a guy like Jared Cook ahead of him and then pair him with Johnny Smith because Johnny Smith, if he breaks out, is going to be much more valuable than Jared Cook or Rob Gronkowski or even Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram. Like this dude has top three potential, like we saw from Mark Andrews last year. So Johnny Smith is probably my number one target in drafts of any position based on cost, because you can get him as your 12th, 13th round pick. So anyone who's watched this channel knows who my number one breakout candidate is. My number one breakout candidate is Ronald Jones II. Ronald Jones, I'm going to go really in depth with this. If you haven't heard me go in depth with this, I'm going to go even more deep than I've already gone. 93% of the time a running back has 250 plus touches and six plus touchdowns. They finish as a top 15 running back. Well, Ronald Jones last year had 203 uh, touches and he had seven touchdowns and now Brady is running the offense which should mean improvements in the screen game which he's already been praised upon by coach Bruce Arians and Peyton Barber vacates 170 touches from the offense so we're going to start by breaking down the entire backfield we're going to start with LaShawn McCoy because he's the newest member to the backfield his addition does really nothing to me in terms of Ronald Jones's role Bruce Arians immediately after the signing was quoted as saying all of these guys Dare um, Keyshawn Vaughn, McCoy, all these guys are competing behind Ronald Jones. It's Ronald Jones's job. These guys are competing for roles once Ronald Jones is tired. These are all things that Bruce Arians said about Jones's role. What this tells me, what this signing tells me is that A, Keyshawn Vaughn isn't progressing very well, and that's why they signed McCoy. And B, he might be here to replace Dari in the offense because Dari is a solid pass protector, but he's really not that explosive. He's not that dynamic. So they wanted a guy maybe like McCoy, who's more experienced, if Ronald Jones struggles in this area, that can take the workload away from, uh, from Dari because Dari is just ineffective with it. So McCoy was also quoted as saying in LaShawn McCoy's opening press conference, he was asked about the running back competition. If he's trying to win out 
the job and become the starting back. He said, it's his role, meaning Ronald Jones, his job. And I want to help him out in any way possible. Basically saying, this is our team. I'm not looking to be the starting running back. I want to help this dude. He's a young player. I'm an, I'm an experienced veteran who's had a lot of uh, success in my career. I want to help this kid reach the next level, which is very noble of LaShawn McCoy. And I actually do think he means that. I don't think that's just like player speak. So now on to Keyshawn Vaughn. He was a third round pick this past year. He is struggling to get acclimated to the NFL. According to all beat reporters, all sources, he is not looking good out there. Arians was quoted as saying, maybe as a kick returner, when asked if Keyshawn Vaughn would compete for uh, touches week one. He basically said he's not getting on the field unless it's in a special teams role, which is very, very concerning. If anyone owns Keyshawn Vaughn in, in uh, Dynasty or was expecting Keyshawn Vaughn to contribute his rookie year. David Johnson, in 2015, he was behind Andre Ellington and Chris Johnson his rookie year. He only got 5.2 touches per game his rookie year with Chris Johnson in the lineup. This is despite David Johnson being excellent with his touches, super efficient on special teams, super efficient as a receiver, super efficient when he got carries. He was great, and he could not beat out the veteran. That's just how Bruce Arians is. He prefers having veterans on the field. He even said in All or Nothing, if anyone watched All or Nothing, they followed um, the 2015 Cardinals around during the season and, and documented the whole like process and stuff. Bruce Arians said in a meeting, David Johnson will be a workhorse by Thanksgiving. So he intended to use David Johnson this way, but he eased him in. He's going to do the same thing with Keyshawn Vaughn and probably even less so because Vaughn is very far behind. In a shortened offseason, he has no preseason games. He was on the COVID reserve list, whether he had the virus or not. He was still out of the facility for a while. So I don't expect David Johnson level production out of Keyshawn Vaughn. DJ was also just more talented than Keyshawn Vaughn in general. I wasn't a very big fan of Keyshawn Vaughn coming out of Vanderbilt. He looked like kind of a jag to me, just the guy. Like he, he was kind of explosive, I guess. He broke some long runs. He was okay as a receiver, okay in pass protection. But there was nothing, like when they drafted him, I wasn't like, okay, Ronald Jones is toast. Like had they drafted J.K. Dobbins or even Cam Akers, like I probably would have been like, oh man, that's probably not good for Ronald Jones. But the fact that they waited and drafted Antoine Winfield in the second round instead of drafting those two running backs who were on the board at the time tells me that they believe in Ronald Jones. Next, David Johnson in his rookie year failed to record 35% of the snaps, which is not a lot in nine of the 10 games that Chris Johnson was healthy and less than 15% of the snaps in 50% of those 10 games. So he was not involved as long as Chris Johnson was healthy. There's a solid chance that Keyshawn Vaughn won't even be activated until um, an injury happens to the backfield because Ronald Jones is the starter. LaShawn McCoy is the, the veteran who's going to be on, involved in the offense. Dari is a special teams captain. So whether he's involved in the offense as, from a rushing or receiving perspective, he's going to be active because he's the captain on special teams. And Raymond Calais, who they drafted in the seventh round, they basically praised his ability as a kick returner. So unless Keyshawn Vaughn is the kicker punt returner, he's not going to probably suit up for week one. Now to Ronald Jones. This is who we actually care about. This is who's getting the opportunity, right? I laid out why he has the opportunity. Now let's see what he can do with it. If you want to break out or a top tier running back, what do we look for? I've mentioned this with Melvin Gordon as well. We want the bulk of the carries. We want the goal line and receiving work, right? So this is a tweet from Curtis Patrick who works for, um, I can't remember exactly where he works for, but this is metrics that Ronald Jones outperformed Joe Mixon in 2019. If you weren't watching Tampa Bay Buccaneers games, which I mean, they weren't a very good team last year. I'm a Tampa Bay Bucs fan, but so I understand that. But this is where Ronald Jones was really good last year. Yards per touch, yards per carry. Yards after contact per rush attempt, attempts for broken tackle, yards per target, yards per reception. He was super efficient last year. 
And this isn't a down on Joe Mixon tweet. This is an up on Ronald Jones tweet. Ronald Jones was second in the league in evaded tackles per attempt at the running back position. Until like week eight of the season, he was PFF's number one graded running back. Like he was very good last year. He did not look like his rookie season where he was terrible his rookie season. He looked very good. And I tweeted this out a couple months ago. Highest success rate uh, rushing in the red zone. Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram, Damian Williams. Those were the top three. Ronald Jones was number four ahead of Aaron Jones, who had 19 freaking touchdowns last year. Ronald Jones was super efficient in the red zone last year. He only had 21 red zone touches. Peyton Barber vacates 24 more touches from the red zone. And the, all seven of the goal line carries that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense had, Peyton Barber got. So Ronald Jones will get, get those this year. And Peyton Barber was inefficient as hell in the red zone. So he's probably going to turn that into more production um, than Peyton Barber did. And as I mentioned, Ronald Jones still had seven touchdowns last year. So it's not like he was horrible from a touchdown perspective. So onto the receiving game. And this is where Ronald Jones has experienced the most criticism because he was not good at this in college. Ronald Jones has never impressed me as a pass catcher. I heard a very big name fantasy person say this, and that's why I tweeted this out. Ronald Jones was good as a receiver last year. It's basically what I'm pointing, uh, pointing out. Him, the narrative around him not being a good receiver is old news. He's a good receiver now. Ronald Jones ranks in 2019 per PFF, fifth in yards per reception, fifth in yards after catch per reception, top 10 in percentage of targets that went for first downs. Ronald Jones at USC does not equal Ronald Jones now. Players can improve. I know it's, it's hard to believe for people in fantasy. We just want instant gratification. If that guy isn't good, then he's never going to be good. Like players get better. They're human beings. They get better at football. Ronald Jones improved as a receiver. Now, again, overall situation. This is an elite offense. This will be elite. This will be a top five scoring offense, which is very relevant to the scoring of a fantasy running back. The offensive line saw a huge upgrade at right tackle. In terms of run blocking, maybe Tristan Wirth struggles as a pass protector his rookie year, but he is an improvement as, um, than DeMar Dotson as a right tackle because DeMar Dotson has literally openly admitted that he doesn't like run blocking. He's a great pass protector, but he can't run block. So Tristan Wirth is going to be an upgrade from this perspective. Now I'm predicting Ronald Jones to be this year's Aaron Jones. He's going to be on the back of scoring opportunities, as I mentioned, and big plays. He's got 4-4-2 speed. He is going to be very fantasy relevant this year. His ceiling is a 12 to 15 touchdown season with 1,500 plus total yards and 35 catches. And that'll put him in the top eight running backs. I promise you that. So those are my top five breakout candidates for this season. If you enjoyed this video, if you saw, feel like you got some value from it, please, I encourage you to hit the like button, comment down below on the video, uh, some of your top breakout candidates, or if you have any qualms with mine, go ahead and do that. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. Uh, we're going to be posting a lot of videos. Um, upcoming as the season ramps up and as we get into the season and fantasy draft season all that shit's going to be awesome so make sure you also join the discord it's totally free there's a lot of informed fantasy players in there that can help you uh win your leagues or help you with your draft whatever you need help with so uh peace out guys enjoy your tuesday